So there's a scripture that you, you know, there's a couple in the Bible, but this one specifically, you don't see on sticky notes, on the bathroom mirror, you don't see it on a bumper sticker on the, the back of your car, you don't see it on a mug or a t-shirt or anything like that. Um, it's this scripture here, it's Ephesians 5.22, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Uh, some of you just reading that got a little triggered. You're like, wait a minute, what? Now we're talking about that today? Um, this is one of the most misused scriptures that I've found that culture just takes it completely out of context. It's irresponsible and damaging when suggested in generalities. The author who penned this was sending this in a letter to people that he had never met, that he never had their experience, Right? Never, never doesn't know their current situations, doesn't know their stories. But still, it says, all wives should do this, should submit. You don't know their situation. And to say submit to husbands as to God sounds like a lot. I personally know women that this scripture has been used against them and church leadership to continue a relationship that they were being abused and not just verbally, not just emotionally, but physically abused. And they stayed in an abuse far longer than they ever should have because they go to the leadership and it says, but it says wives submit. So um, what kind of advice is that? What, uh, how, how did that even make it into the Bible? That's a great question. It turns out it's great advice in context. And context is everything, okay? Everything. Because there's any portion of the Bible that I could take it and misuse it out of context for my own selfish gain. Unfortunately, that is what's been done with this scripture. So as I'm talking about, please don't get up and run out of the building. Don't turn off the, 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 the YouTube video or the podcast. Please don't. Please stick around with me, I promise. I'm not trying to flip the dynamic in your house unless it needs to be flipped. I am trying to improve your future. And honestly, I have hesitated in the past to talk about this from the pulpit. I've mentioned it before, but to have a whole sermon towards it, because it can be very volatile, culturally uh, uh, um, hurtful in certain ways. And it's one of those things I usually talk about in counseling sessions, premarital counseling, relationship counseling, because Mess comes from it, right? And I'm, I'm able to address and unpack. And I realize this is going to cause some mess. And I'm willing to talk about any of it with you. I'm proud to do it, okay? So if, if it is, if it causes a problem, come talk to me. Because it's a game changer. Marriage or any relationship can turn into a power, power struggle. Any of them, right? It's most evident in, in marriages because you're constantly around each other. But ironically, we struggle for power, but men and women... Are truly powerless. And you're like, well, no, I have power. No, you have the ability to manipulate your surroundings, which infers and gives you the illusion of power. You can't create life, right? I mean, you can be a part of it, but you're not the one that sparks the soul in there, starts the heartbeat. That's not you. You can be, you can hate death all you want and try to avoid it, but you can't control death. It comes for everybody. You cannot stop the world from turning and spin it a different direction. 
So because of those, and I can keep listing going on and on, you're not as powerful as you think you are. And so the, the power struggle is really just an illusion of who can manipulate better in the situation. It's all a lie. You don't truly hold the power. So we're in part four of our collection, Best Practices. And if you've lived long enough, and most of us have, you've experienced the benefits of good decisions. Unfortunately, you've also experienced the, the consequences of bad decisions that you have made and, and done to other people. Um, we're either in a place of, man, I'm glad we didn't, or I wish we had, right? You've had those situations in your life. Eventually, we realize life is connected. Today's decisions become tomorrow's realities, and relationships are a big, big, big part of tomorrow. Friends can determine the direction and quality of life. Friends will influence your future because all of life is connected. Unhealthy relationships don't last, thank God, because we all have a breaking point. If it's unhealthy, we, it will eventually break, and they eventually go away, but unhealthy relationships also leave scars and regrets. And truth be told, every single relationship, every single person that you try to connect your life with, they're all a risk, every one of them. It's always confusing in premarital counseling. I tell them, well, this is a risk that you're taking. They're like, well, it doesn't feel like a risk. I'm like, no, it's a calculated risk, but it's still a risk. I've met many couples that started out on the same page and didn't end up there. I'm like, what happened? It's a risk. People change. People hide stuff, right? They're, it's all a risk, every single one of them. You put trust in somebody, it's a risk. Now, we try to date, and we try to make a well-educated guess and risk in a relationship, and that's good. We should all do that. That's why, we, that's why we date. But healthy relationships, thankfully, can potentially last your whole life. The decisions impact the direction and quality of our lives. So let's live like today's decisions and habits, create tomorrow's realities, and model it relationally, financially, professionally, and with our health. So I'm giving you some very unoriginal advice, some learn the hard way advice. Um, it's not a deal breaker. It's not, it's not a rule. It's not in the realm of right versus wrong, although it does affect it. It's not legal or illegal versus illegal. It's not moral versus immoral. It's in the category of wisdom. This is a wise way to live. And our working definition of wisdom is insights informed by the knowledge that all of life is connected. And so today's talk will be directed towards married people or somebody that's wanting to be married or somebody that's just in a relationship, a romantic relationship. But it really applies to all relationships that you have, every single one of them, how small you think it is, it, it implies. Marriage is just the example because it's the most intense type of relationship that we have here on earth. Taking your life and completely molding it with somebody else is intense, right? There's no break from it. There's no escaping it. It's just there. All right. So guys, I'm going to talk to you first. So guys, it's difficult to listen to another guy, and I understand this, telling you how to run your relationship. It's challenging on so many different several levels. Um, and ladies, this might also be true for you as well, but I'm going to try to stay in my lane. I'm not a woman, okay? I'm going to try to stay in my lane and just really address the guys. Uh, so ladies, I'm going to need you to filter this through your context. Um, we don't like, men don't like to be told what to do generally, right? Most of the time, men don't like to be told what to do. It's in my nature. I'm better, like I'm more mature, but there's still a part of me that I don't like to be in a box, okay? I don't. 
So don't tell me what to do, you know, that kind of thing. Um, in today's topic, we don't want, you know, another guy telling us how to run a relationship. So it's part of the reason why when we're in a relationship, we want, as a man, we want our significant other to believe that the great ideas were our ideas, right? So when we hear advice on Instagram or TikTok or whatever book that you're reading, we like to erase the fact that we got it from somewhere else. And it's, oh, it was our idea. That was an original. That was mine. I'm just wise, you know? I'm just good with relationships, great with women, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's not the case. We usually stole it from somewhere. And ladies, I know there's some of the, the dumbest things that you've ever heard that we're the originator of all good ideas. Um, and when I say this comment, I know it's going to sound weird. Men really just want to be told what to do. And some of you men are like, nah, I'm not. That's not true. I don't want to be told what to do. Then why do we, we identify? I, have a, I didn't play the clip because there was some colorful language in, in, in the movie. Um, but I just have a picture. I don't even have to play the clip. You instantly know. We identify with this so well. If you have no idea what this is, it's the notebook. Go watch it, and then you'll understand. But I don't need, I, you know what the, he's saying. What do you want, right? <laughs> and he says it over and over again. She's like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. What do you want? I just want to make you happy. What do you want? He's basically saying, tell me what to do. I want to be a part of your life. Tell me what to do. Men, it's, we, we have a hard time understanding women a lot of the time, believe it or not. I don't have to tell you some of you that. You know that. But we just want to be told what to do. Tell me, how can I love you best? How can I make you happy? And sometimes, and I get it, it's based on personality, it could be even the reverse. The women could be the one going, just tell me what you want. Tell me, right? And they go, I don't know, you know that kind of situation. <laughs> you wouldn't need... Honestly, men, we wouldn't need another man or anybody else telling us how to run our relationships if we would just listen, right? It's in our nature to be fixers, and I have, I've gotten better at it. I'm not perfect at it, but um, there are situations when Hannah is trying to communicate something to me, and I'm trying to finish her sentences because I want to fix it so fast because I find satisfi satisfaction in fixing things. I like to fix relationships and, and woodworking projects and sheetrock. I, I just like cars. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not the expert in it, but man, there is a satisfaction in fixing, right? But if I would just listen, I would avoid a lot of things. And ladies, we know that, that our best ideas were really probably your ideas anyways. You're smart. You somehow crafted a way of being handling the delicate male ego, which is really weird. Me, male ego is very strong, but also extremely fragile. <laughs> extremely. It's very weak, but also very strong. But you allow us to believe that the great ideas are our ideas. Now, thank you for being and coddling our egos and helping us out with that. It's not a terrible thing. And I know this can go both ways, ladies. So filter this through your own context in your relationship. So having said that, I want to offer one piece of relationship advice for you guys, and it would lead to a more mutually satisfying experience. Um, I, I think we can all agree, and I don't have to make you raise your hand, that we would all prefer our relationships to be mutually satisfying, right? If you come to me and say, I don't want that, then there's another problem. It's the root of selfishness and manipulation. There's a, there's a bigger issue that you need to go talk to a, a counselor about. But so I want to prepare you guys to go the distance and to finish 
together strong. So today's advice is anchored in the principle of mutual respect. And when I do premarital counseling, I talk about this a lot. Uh, So mutual respect is the gasoline that you throw on the sparks of a friendship or a romance that makes it go whoosh. Right? Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. When you see that guy that's interested in you and he says, man, I really care about your goals. Whoosh! Whoa! <laughs> you know, I'm not just here because, of, because you're hot, you know, or you're beautiful. I'm here because of your mind. Whoosh! Right? It's, it, it's this explosion. Like, I'm like, whoa, man. You know what I'm saying? Right? Okay, so um, it's also in the same friendships. Like, you have that friendship that it's like, man, it ignites. It's because of mutual respect. It's because you, you're respected. You're treated like you matter. So this especially happens for married couples, for people that are going to get married. It creates an escalating trust and cooperation that diminishes suspicion. If there is suspicion in your relationship, there is a lack of trust. And trust, the foundation, is built on, built, built on that, built on trust. Like it, You can't build anything off of your relationship unless you trust the other. It, it makes it a little less sus, you know. There's another, there's another term there. <laughs> I'm young. Um, it creates more transparency, less pride, more humility. It's quicker to ha- apologies because it's mutual. And unfortunately and tragically, this New Testament passage, like I mentioned, that introduced this idea is misunderstood, misused, and twisted by church leaders. It was used to communicate the opposite of what the author was trying to communicate. They basically took the words out of context and used it in a different form than what the author was trying to say. And again, this scripture is Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husband. Don't mean to me. Submit yourselves to your, hus- to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. This statement has been misapplied by Christian men, mischaracterized by non-Christians. It's been used uh, to write off Christianity as a misogynistic ideology. Uh, The Bible is not meant to be used as a weapon against others. It's meant to be a tool to use against yourself. Because you can't change people. You do not have the ability to change people. You can force people into a situation where, there's, where their outcomes are small, and the margins are small, but that's force. That doesn't mean they're changed. That means you, got, you backed them into a corner. So you are the only one that you can change. You're the only one that controls your emotions, your thoughts, and what you do on a daily basis. So this book is really meant for yourself, not to go correct everybody else. Um, Jesus was the opposite of that. He introduced the equality of men and women. Yes, he did. I know that sounds crazy, but he did. He he introed the the idea that your heavenly father is also her heavenly father. Uh, In the first century, this was not self-evident. They were thinking whatever else was thought was thinking that when Jesus came along, that his first century followers empowered women. This was new. This was not the norm in their time, right? He empowered women uh, to be leaders. And it was unprecedented in, in certain, so many certain ways. And the statement leading into this passage that we get misused so much is a powerful one. And Paul's statement preceding 
provides the context that is often overlooked when misusing this scripture. It's a statement that disrupted culture shifted a dysfunctional power system, a way ahead of its time, scandalous in dignifying concept of mutual respect. It put men and women on an equal playing field as it pertains to eternity, God, and everything spiritual. It did. It makes sense to us, but back then, it did not. And to put it bluntly, because I am a man, that doesn't mean I'm worth more than a woman to God. Just because I'm a male, right? If there was a woman standing next to me and God is looking at us, he does not see that woman as worth less than me. We have equal partnership in our value to God. So when it comes to women, I, I am not more important. I, my journey doesn't mean more to God than, it, than it also this woman that stands next to me. It is all important. Paul was drawing and applying the teachings of Jesus through this process, and here's the thesis of the idea. We find it in Ephesians 21, the scripture right before it. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another as out of reverence to Christ. That means put each other first regardless of each other. You don't put someone first because you think they deserve it. You put them first because that's how we should treat Christ. Now try Christ treated us in reverence to him. The verse that, uh, that follows is merely an application for wives. So when I'm in marriage counseling or in a relationship discussion with somebody, but it says for wives to submit. And I'm like, and it's, the, it's a guy talking to me. He's like, are you a wife? And he goes, no. And I said, well, that part does not pertain to you. You're not here to enforce what God's telling women. That's not your job. Your job is actually something a little harder that we're going to get into now. He says, in this statement, it's dependent on the preceding one. Paul is making the point of this main idea. He's making an application to a specific group, people, uh, to the main idea. Notice what it doesn't say, okay? The scripture is, wives, submit, to your, to your, uh, submit yourselves to your husband as you do the Lord. This is not, it does not say, well, um, women, submit to men. It does not say that. That's a blanket statement. That's an absolute. A lot of men like to treat it that way, but it says specifically, your husband, not their husband, not that man over there, to your husband, right? So it gets a little more specific. Um, and then he continues on, and it says the wives, but Paul says, submit to one another. So usually, when this scripture is brought up and pulled out of context, I say, hey, do you know where that's written? Well, I don't know. It's a preacher said it one time, or da, 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 my, my, somebody told me that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Can you even tell me the book that it's in? Do you even know the scriptures that surround it? Because you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you. You're not. Because you think that's a thing, it's much worse on men, right? It takes it up a notch, Right? God puts a, a little more level of responsibility, not control and power responsibility. Catch that. This is what he says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I understand that sounds more graceful and better than submit. I understand that, right? But that's because we've taken the word submit and abused it and turned it into something else. 
our def- a definition that serves the one being submitted to. So there's a difference. He says uh, to love your wives just as, lo- as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He gave everything first, and he gave all of it. Yeah. All of it. He gave everything. He let the church fight against him, speak against him, call him a heretic. He let the church put him on trial, drag him through the streets, and then murder him in humiliation in front of everybody. He let the church do that. He gave everything that he had for the church. So here's some original Jesus-inspired relationship advice. And this is the, the, the thing that I want you to draw out today. The word is defer. This is some of the greatest relationship advice I could ever give you. Defer. Like, what do you mean? Okay, we'll get into that. Meaning defer to one another. Put them first in everything. So husbands, he is saying, put your wife first in everything. So he's essentially saying, defer, submit, give yourself over to set the stage to make them given the most best opportunities to succeed in life, not just to serve you. It's because we've messed up the word. Make the relationship, and this is any relationship, a submission competition. Submission competition. Literally, men treat him, her or women treat him like she or he is the, is the most important thing to you. It's more important than you. When you are around somebody that's famous, we all do this, right? When you're around somebody who's fa- like, you're like you look up to them, they're an idol of yours, and you want to go meet them, you're like, oh, hi, what can I do for you? Can I get you coffee? You're like, do I curtsy? What do I do? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to lower myself because you're so great. You know, I just want to be in your presence and hopefully not say something stupid, right? That's what you do when you see your idols, whatever celebrity, what, uh, that you, you automatically defer. You give over to what their preference is. Paul is suggesting we should defer to one another in the same way. And before you push back, think back, all right? Um, Wasn't that your posture? Wasn't that your posture when you were in pursuit of the one that you love? Right? For guys, I know this to be true. You see see a woman, you're like, man, what do I do? Hopefully I don't say the wrong thing. Friends, what do I say? I don't want to mess this up. Do I curtsy? Do I bow? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. How, how do I make this happen? How do I not say something stupid that's going to ruin it? You deferred. You lowered yourself and say, it's not about me. It's about you. Please pay attention to me. Please. You are way more important than me. I want you in my life. That's how we did it. You treated them as if they were the most important person in the world. In that moment, that's how you won them, and you know how to do this then. So here's the advice. Do that. Do it. Not just in a moment, just to win them, but always do that. There's a principle in life that however you get them there is how you keep them there. And don't be surprised when you change and they don't want to stick around because you misled them. You changed how you're acting. But that's our posture. And say, why not? It's how 
you want to be treated, right? You want to be treated like you're the most important person in their life when you're in a relationship. So don't be a hypocrite. Defer to how you want to be deferred to. I'll say it again. Defer to how you want to be deferred to. It's like, kind of like the golden rule. Treat people how you want to be treated and all that. But if you're not a Christian, that's probably as far as it goes. Try it. Do it. Good. But, and it will make your life better. But I'm going to drop you off there for a minute, but don't go anywhere. So if you are a Christian, notice what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say, submit to one another out of reverence for one another. He does not say that. That's conditional. That is, I'll put you first as long as you deserve it. That's not what he's called us to do. He's, he is not saying, uh, meanwhile, while you don't deserve it, I'm sure I deserve it and I'm worthy of being put first. That's a conditional relationship. Paul's actually applying the law of Christ when it comes to marriage in any relationship to love one another like God through Christ loved us. So what Paul actually writes is Ephesians 20, like I just read, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He applies it to wives and husbands. Do unto others as God through Jesus did unto you and for you. In his letter, Christians living in Philippi, Paul says this to them. Philippians 2, 5 through 7, it says, In your relationships with one another, meaning every relationship, anybody you come in contact with, deep or not, a lot or little, all relationships uh, uh, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, meaning we take our relational direction from Jesus. From Jesus, not anybody else, from Jesus, not from one another. We're Jesus followers, not other followers. We're Jesus followers, so we take our direction from him. Continue on, verse 6, it says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. We do not deserve what Jesus has done for us. At any moment... Jesus could have snapped his fingers and we all evaporate at any moment. He's God. He can do that. But he didn't use the unbalance to his advantage. He actually used it to our advantage, which we do not deserve. He didn't play the God card to ensure he got his own way for his benefit. Continue on in verse 7. It says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Wait a minute. Jesus took the nature of a servant for us. That's called submission. If Jesus can do it, so can you. If, you, if Jesus in all of his wisdom and power and undeserving as we are can do it, so can you. And so a relationship or marriage is two people submitted to God, people who defer to one another. If you are single, please listen to this. This is why it's not enough to find a Christian. I don't care what's on their dating profile or what they put on their Instagram or how many crosses they add to their, to their wall in their house or on the back of their car or the Jesus fish or anything like that. That is just an identity, a circumstance. You couldn't believe how many people call themselves Christians and don't act like it. But you need a Jesus follower. That's what you want, is a Jesus follower. He may be Christian, but he treats you like any other stranger. 
She might be, say she's Christian, but why is it always about her? You see where I'm going with this? You need a Jesus follower, someone who understands that we are going to defer to each other under the headship of Jesus, because he is our king. He is our ruler. We are going to treat each other the way that God, through Christ, treated us, be accountable to our heavenly father. So when it comes to relationship and it comes to accountability, someday, as a male, I'm going to end up in heaven. And, I, and I'm going to be held accountable for the things that I have done here on earth. And he, he's going to go, hey, you made a commitment, a covenant in my name with this woman. How did you do? Did you treat her like I treated the church? What went wrong? I'm accountable for that. Because that's not just a, a someone that I'm supposed to use, just another woman. That is also God's daughter. And that's somebody else's daughter. And they're waiting to see, how am I going to treat this creation, this daughter of the Heavenly Father? I'm accountable for that. And vice versa for women with men. So, defer. Defer to one another. Put others first. Never stop pursuing and honoring. Humility always wins the day, and pride is always poison every time. Selfishness is like our kryptonite. It weakens us. Pride, it, it pulls us down. Look for opportunities to, be, to go second. Loan each other your strength rather than reminding one another of their weaknesses. I'll tell you where to start. You start with the question. Your initial response to this question may indicate that you have something to work on. Okay? The question is, and it's out of a mutual respect, you say, what can I do to help? What can I do to help today? How can I carry your burden today? Where can I loan my strength to help you? How can I prioritize your things over my things? How can I put you first? How can I make your life easier? Those are the questions that you ask. This, these questions run contrary to our self-centeredness. So I'm going to practice out loud, okay? I want you all to repeat after me. I want you to say, how can I help today, right? You ready? One, two, three, say it. How can I help today? See, you can do it. You're really good at it if you worked at Chick-fil-A, I'm sure. You know why you don't like to ask this question. It's because you're afraid of the answer, right? If, you, if it's an onslaught every time you ask, you're not asking enough. There's some built-up time where they've needed your help and you haven't been helping, and so now they have to unload on you. And you'll be in a place where you're forced to say no to you and yes to them. But that's the point. The question slows you down for you to go, it's not about me, it's about you. I defer. I take myself. I defer to you. How can I help? And if two are doing this at the same time, you can't lose. You literally can't lose. You'll say no to you and yes to them. It's your opportunity to do something powerful for the other in your relationship. So Christians, focus on Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Take your relational cues from your Savior who submitted to you and died for you. He bore your sin on his body. He deferred to you and put you first. It's just one example that how following Jesus will make you a better person, a better husband, a better wife, a better friend, a better, a, a, a better stronger relationship, a better father, mother, a better fiance. You'll have more satisfying, mutually satisfying relationships through it. And I can say this because you're like, well, great study, Bill. I'm sure you went to the Greek and, and, and the hieroglyphics of it and you figured it all out. And yeah, I did. I did that. I've done that because this is a volatile scripture that people like to use in a bad way. But I can tell you in confidence and stand here today, and I'm willing to go to bat with anyone about this because it's not just that I understand the truth and it's logical. The proof is in the pudding. You ever heard that term? I love using that term. The proof is in the pudding because I've lived it. I've been able to, not a perfect life, right? It's not all happy in horseshoes and candy canes and all, and all that and unicorns, but I have had an amazing marriage of 16 years. I don't do a lot of things good, guys. I don't, I, there's a lot of stuff that I mess up, but one thing I do well is marriage because I've made a point to make that priority in my life. So I have the evidence and I have the truth to tell you it works. I have experienced far more joy than I have ever thought I could experience in my marriage because of this principle right here. Mutual respect, deferring to one another. Is it convenient? No, but it is so worth it. So, so worth it. And Hannah can attest to it, and you can ask her later if that's true. Um, I'm, I feel like she would, she would agree with me. So defer to one another. You will find this is a very beneficial best practice. And others will see this. And this is one of the most flattering, uplifting, I glow, I float when people tell me this. And when they say, I see the way you and your wife treat each other, and I want that. Or they say, I saw how you acted, and I took your advice, and I'm now experiencing more joy than I ever thought I could in my marriage. Oh, man, I could float out of this building when I hear that, because that, to me, is joy. And for many of you, I'll tell you this, little eyes are watching how you treat your spouse, how you treat your friends, how you treat the people around you. They're watching, and this is one of the hardest things about when I do counseling, premarital counseling, is when I, I'm sitting in front of a, a couple and they're trying to work it out and all they're saying, but my dad did this, but my mom did this. And I had to tell them, they're not perfect and that wasn't right and I'm sure that they loved you, but that's not how you treat one another. Little ones are watching and they're gonna define their relationships based on how you treat your relationships. So start them off right. This is probably one of the best practices you can institute in every relationship in your life. I guarantee it'll be the most powerful thing that you've done. Let's pray. Jesus, you know our hearts, 
You know our relationships. Lord, you see the dysfunction. You see that how much our selfishness can destroy something that is supposed to be beautiful. So right now, Lord, if there is an area in any of our lives, in any relationship that we have, that we can defer, and we've been missing it, we've been missing the opportunity or ignoring the opportunities because of our own selfishness, our own pride, our own insecurities, I pray that you will shine light on it. And it will burn, but it needs to burn because it needs to be dealt with. I pray that you lead us to that. Give us the courage to, to stand up to those situations. And Lord, I, I thank you for the grand opportunity that we get to see you and how you deferred to us, undeserving. And you have called us to something higher, something better, to defer to one another just as you deferred to us, the king of everything. So, Lord, bless us in this process. Help us through. Help us to have the courage to make these steps so that we can not only just change ourselves, but in deferring, change everybody else around us. In Jesus' powerful name I pray, amen.